Hello, this is Justin Coleman, Senior Pastor at University UMC, and this is our podcast. I hope these messages engage your mind, touch your heart, and inspire you to serve God and your neighbor. Check us out online at universityumc.church. Thanks for tuning in. Good morning, church family. Please go with me to the Lord in prayer. Gracious Lord, I pray that you would speak through me and perhaps even in spite of me. And so let the humble words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable and pleasing to you, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. This week we enter into the second of our two-week sermon series on the book of Jonah. Last week we ended with this question. As Jonah moves into Nineveh, will God be about justice or will God be about mercy. But before we take that up, let's do a quick recap of what happened with Jonah last week. Again, in chapter one, God says to Jonah, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry out against it because the evil they have done has come to God's attention. And so Jonah goes to Joppa. We think he's going to get in a boat to go to Nineveh. Instead, he goes to Tarshish. Now, Nineveh is only 550 miles away. Tarshish is 2,500 plus miles away. He's running from what God wants. We don't know if he's running because he's afraid. The Ninevites are part of the Assyrian kingdom. Nineveh is in the, in the heart of Assyria. And these folks have done cruel things to the Israelites. They've taken them captive and deported them as slaves. They've attacked Jerusalem. These are people who attack capitals and actually manage to take things away and to overthrow the Assyrians are warlike people, and they're bitter enemies to the Israelites. So we wonder, well, Jonah, are you running because you're afraid to go deep in the heart of enemy territory? Or do you not want to go there because if you were to proclaim this word to them and their hearts might change, then your enemies might have to become your friends. Well, Jonah runs. And then in, in chapter two, we find that Jonah finds himself in the belly of a big fish. Uh, finds himself in the belly of a fish. And I'm not going to say a whole lot about that, that part of the book of Jonah, but he's in this big fish for three days. For us who read this passage in light of Christ, we, we think about the three days between death and resurrection. And so as we read it, even as its original hearers uh, uh, would have heard it or, or read it, as Jonah emerges from the belly of this big fish after having received new perspective, 
we imagine this is going to be a resurrection for the prophetic ministry of Jonah. So chapter 3 says, The Lord's word came to Jonah a second time. Get up and go to Nineveh, that great city, and declare against it the proclamation that I am commanding you. And Jonah got up and went to Nineveh according to the Lord's word. Beautiful, wonderful. End of story. There's been a resurrection moment for Jonah, and he is on mission again, right? Not so fast there. Jonah does something that is a bit unexpected. Okay, here we go. Jonah is getting his prophetic ministry back on track. He's there in Nineveh. And in chapter 3, verse 4, it says, Jonah started to walk into the city, walking one day, and he, he cried out, Just 40 days more and Nineveh will be overthrown. And the people of Nineveh believed God. They proclaimed a fast and put on mourning clothes from the greatest of them to the least significant. When the word of it reached the king of Nineveh, he got up from his throne, he stripped himself of his robe, covered himself with mourning clothes, and sat in ashes. Then he announced, in Nineveh, by decree of the king and his officials, neither human nor animal cattle nor flock will taste anything, no grazing and no drinking water. Let humans and animals alike put on mourning clothes and let them call upon God forcefully. And let all persons stop their evil behavior and the violence that's under their control. Okay, <laughs> let's rewind just a little bit. So Jonah walks into this city, and in verse 3, it tells us that Nineveh is an enormous city, a three days walk across. And so Jonah walks for one day, and here's the word that he has. He's been mustering up this amazing prophetic announcement in the heart of Nineveh. Just 40 days more and Nineveh will be overthrown. Now, if you go covertly deep into the middle of enemy territory, into the heart of the capital city of this enemy empire, and you say, in 40 days, this is going to be overthrown. What do you expect? You expect people to be angry, incensed. You expect for some kind of police force or military force to come and, and get you. We, we expect a showdown here. The enemy and the enemy's forces mounting against God's prophet, who's backed up by the heavenly host. Oh, this is going to be good. But immediately after that, immediately after Jonah says these words, the people of Nineveh believed 
God. This is not what we expect from this people that have come and invaded Israel and and caused all kinds of trouble and heartache for the people. Especially given that these folks are not likely to have worshipped or even believed in the God of Israel. The God of Israel is like a small g God to them, if anything. But the people believed. They turned their hearts around. And there's proclaimed, the king proclaims a time of fasting. Now, not just the fasting that you or I do sometimes during the Lenten season. We give up chocolates and adult beverages or something like that. No, no, no. This is real hardcore fasting here. They're not eating anything. And not only the people, uh, it's the people that are fasting. But the king says, neither human nor animal Cattle nor flock will taste anything. No grazing and no drinking water. So humans and animals, no eating, no drinking, even water. And they sit in mourning clothes. And they repent of the evil behavior and the violence that's under their control, the violence that they can do something about. They repent. This should be what the prophet wants, right? This should be what what Jonah wants. Even when you read the New Testament and and you see a phrase like repent, think about John the Baptist. Turn your hearts around, repent, and believe the good news. It's what we should want. It's what the prophet should want. It's what anyone who proclaims the good news of God, which includes the repenting of our sins and the turning around from our former ways so that we can follow God, this should be exactly what we want. This, however, is not what Jonah wants. Jonah didn't really want repentance. Jonah didn't even really want justice. Jonah wanted judgment. Jonah wanted some hellfire and brimstone. Jonah wanted fire to come down out of heaven and and consume these folks. He wanted some burn, baby, burn, his own kind of prophetic disco inferno. He said, God, God, fire actually works for these people. Let's just, let's judge them here. You said that in 40 days you'll overthrow them, so let them continue to be sinful and evil and violent for these 40 days, and then God, wipe them out. Show them what you're made of. Jonah didn't want 
justice. Jonah wanted judgment. For someone like Jonah, his own righteousness is dependent on the unrighteousness of others. His right cause, his right perspective about life is contingent on the unrighteousness of these Assyrians, on the unrighteousness of these Ninevites. And we would have seen their unrighteousness if they just would have behaved in the way that Jonah expected them to behave, to be resistant and therefore to be judged by God. Jonah should have been delighting that their hearts turned around. He should have wanted to throw a party instead of having people consumed by the fires of judgment. He should have had fireworks shot up and celebrated because of what has transpired in Nineveh, not just for those who might have heard it, but the, the entirety of the land in repentance, turning their hearts toward God. For us, this is the good news that we believe. As people move toward the cross, as we say, repent and believe the gospel, that people who were enemies of God because of their sin and who were our enemies, enemies of one another, turn their hearts around and believe. The church ought to be a place, this family of faith ought to be a place where enemies become friends, where we develop a sense of kinship, a sense of family together. Our earnest longing and hope ought to be for Roy Williams and Coach K to be able to go to church together and to commune together, celebrate God together. That should be our earnest hope. But even in more serious ways, our earnest hope is that people who were part of the Proud Boys come to church and be family and be in fellowship with people from the Black Lives Matter movement. Ought to be our honest gospel-centered hope. Our hope is that Nancy Pelosi and Donald Trump would be able to reconcile and, and go to church together, become friends and, and live a, a deep spiritual life together. This ought to be our hope. Again, enemies coming together. Christians ought to have this posture where we, we enter into conversation and relationship with people who might believe themselves to be our enemies and we might even believe them to be our enemies based on the way they behave, their behaviors, their violence. 
and as we proclaim the good news about Jesus and people repent and their hearts are changed, then we find ourselves in family together. The challenge is that we are sometimes challenged ourselves to even imagine. Even in some of those pairings that I lifted up a moment ago, we can't imagine. And if we're honest, it might even make us a little sick to our stomachs to, to think. Because we've believed news, but we haven't always believed good news. We believe the news of the world is as good as it can get that there are these folks and there are these folks. They do not get along. The best thing we can do is to keep them separated. Uh, we believe that for, for justice to be done, uh, one side must dominate the other, bend the other to its will, sometimes even forcibly. But God has placed the people of God, the church, here in this world to be about this gospel-centered movement where we enter into territories and spaces and conversations where there is enmity and where there are enemies. And we proclaim the good news in the high hopes that people would come together as friends. That's what it means to be church. And we know that it doesn't always happen that way. We know that part of the sadness of this world is that people sometimes remain divided, but our hope and our proclamation and our work is to bring people together. That's what we're about. The power of our baptism enables us to imagine a new life. But Jonah struggles to do this. In chapter 4, Jonah says to God, I know that you are a merciful and compassionate God, very patient, full of faithful love, and willing not to destroy. You think, yes. Jonah, you're getting it. That's what this is about. And then the very next phrase. At this point, Lord, you may as well take my life from me because it would be better for me to die than to live. What? What are you talking about here, Jonah? You just talk about the, the compassionate, loving kindness of God. But because God's compassionate, loving kindness doesn't work the way that you want it to work, you don't even want to be here. So Jonah begins to sulk. He, he goes and he sits down and God makes a shrub to grow up to provide shade for him in the midst of the hot day. Then God makes it shrivel up again as Jonah is sitting there still resistant to the gracious movement of God. And God says, Jonah, is your anger about the shrub a good thing? Jonah says, yes, my anger is good. 
But the Lord said, you pitied the shrub for which you didn't work and you didn't raise. It grew in a night and perished in a night. Yet for my part, I can't pity Nineveh, that great city in which there are more than 120,000 people who can't tell their right hand from their left and also many animals. Jonah, you care about this shrub that you didn't do anything for? You didn't have help to grow? You're mad about this, that it was taken away from you? And you don't care about this city where there are more than 120,000 people that God put there, that God helped to grow. God's saying, Jonah, do you want me to be cruel like you are cruel and not care? I actually care, Jonah. And that's how the book ends. There's a question for us that lingers. How would we respond? We hope that Jonah responded positively and turned his life around. And the author of the book gives us that same opportunity to turn our lives around, to be focused on caring for others, to allow our compassion to lead us and our hope for transformation to guide us as we navigate all the, the rough places, all the difficult conversations in our personal lives and the broader life of our society and world. The people of God are meant to have a new perspective. The people of God who call themselves Christians are to have a perspective that is born out of the waters of baptism. That people can repent and believe the gospel and lead radically new lives. Here at University United Methodist Church, we seek to live lives that are radically transformed by the power of the gospel. We talk about being a community of kinship so that no one is left out, so that, that our circle of fellowship continues to grow so there's no one on the margins. The margins are erased because of our inclusion. I hope this is a place where you feel included and that you grow in your capacity to include. As we seek to be this church, we're not pretending that we have it all figured out. There are things that we pray for and that we long for that we are still living into. As we seek to be a community that is more diverse racially and, and ethnically, a, a community that is more diverse related to sexual orientation and, and age and, and socioeconomics, but I hope that you are praying for us daily as we, all of us, seek to grow into this sense 
of call that we have. As we seek to be a place of radical kinship and transformation. As people who believe the gospel, we don't, we don't have hardened hearts like Jonah. We have hearts to move into this world where there are so many divisions. And speak a word of hope, speak a word of grace, speak a word of compassion, speak a word of love. Hoping that hearts and minds will turn around and this community of kinship that we pray for will continue to grow. The divisions that we see in our society the hard judgment, the violence, the animosity, the tension that we see elsewhere will melt away here as we allow the gospel, as we allow the tender, loving kindness of God to melt our hardened hearts and transform us so that we can be the people God calls us to be as individuals and as a community. In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks for listening to our podcast. You can visit us at universityumc.church where you can find services, events, and other ways you can get involved. Remember that we love you. We hope you have a great week. We hope the peace of Christ is with you, and we hope to see you soon.